Welcome to episode seven of uh, Almost Cooperstown, and uh, this week's episode is 2020 in 20. We're kind of just looking at more of an overall view of the 2020 season and its potential happening, because, you know, that's kind of still up in the air at this point. I, I definitely think so. Potential is the word here. We're, we're going to have a whole talk about the 2020 season. It might never happen. I think that's a real possibility. But, I mean, if it does happen, it's certain to be just, like, one of the most interesting seasons, just because... From top to bottom, there will has never been another season like this. Even the strike years are fundamentally different in a lot of ways. We were talking about the fact that, you know, with the 60-game season in 66 days, uh, it's both the first 60 games and the last 60 games because it's only 60 games. And so there's no push. There's no mid-season. There's no late-season push. It's a full-out sprint. It, it just changes the whole dynamic of the game. And... I think you're, you're just you're never going to this season is just going to be such an oddity that you, you really have to wonder what it's going to look like on players careers and, and how people view this season looking back. Because I mean, people I've heard people make the argument that it's both going to be like a, the easiest World Series to win because you're playing on a shortened schedule. It's less of a grind, but it's also going to be one of the harder World Series to win because you don't have injuries could mean so much more because the time frame they impact is so much greater. And you have so much less time that any – like a week of bad play right. matters a lot more in 60 games than in a game of 160 – a season 162. I think I saw somewhere where it said a seven-game losing streak is like a 19-game losing streak during a 162-game season. But a seven-game streak, people can win – teams can win, you know, championships losing seven games. It has happened. It's never happened when somebody lost 19 in a row. That's a bad team. Yeah, so it's going to be – <laughs> It's going to be just really interesting this season because, I mean, even from, like, the rules, you've got a ton of rule changes coming in that are both for the shortened season and just rule changes for baseball in general. I think it's a, there's a there's testing going on here, and they have the opportunity because of the shortened season to try things out, which, uh, I, you know, is always interesting. Although they had, you know, the first rule, let's talk about is the, um, and as a former pitcher, the uh, the pitcher rule with the, with the three outs and thing, you know, that was going to happen whether this, uh, you know, shortened season occurred or not. Yes, I think it's interesting because I think for the game, it's the right decision. Just from the perspective of, even as a fan, like when the Mets are doing it, it's a little annoying on like April 15th when we're like five pitchers deep in the seventh inning and we've gone nowhere in 45 minutes because you had to bring a guy on for a batter take him out. Bring a guy on. It just It's just not... Yeah, a I, good product, even if it's good for the game. I, I understand that. I, I think my my feeling still is though that I just don't think it's that big a deal, and I don't know why they made a big deal about making that particular rule change because it really changes the way a manager is going to manage the game. There is no question about it. You're going to do things differently, and I, in the long run, we're trying to get a shorter, tidier game, which is what these the, these kinds of rule changes are about. Uh, as a matter of fact, the second rule change is another one of those shorter changes, which is starting a runner on second base in the tenth inning of a game. Now, before you answer this, you have to remember that 44 percent of extra inning games last year in 2019 ended in the tenth inning. So you could argue, as I will argue, that doing it in the eleventh inning. I'm fine with doing this. I don't see why we got to do it in the tenth. Yeah, I, I think I think I maybe if you wanted to go for even a less you know progressive, a more of a scaling, you would have nobody on in the tenth, 
a runner on first in the 11th, and then a runner starting oh, on that's good. second, starting in the 12th and after. Basically, because at that point, even as a player, once you get to about the 12th inning, you don't want to be there anymore. Well, and, and I totally understood the idea to do this. Is a, you know, that's a much more unconventional change that I'm in favor of because the last thing during a regular season you really want is a 16-inning game at the end of April now, that burns you, your staff. And I, I guess here comes the question. When it comes to the playoffs, would you want them to play – with that rule still in play? That's a good question. And my, my gut tells me, let's play baseball and let's not do any of that funky stuff in the playoffs. I, I think in the playoffs, it becomes a little bit more acceptable. The same way I think you have different rules for like overtime and hockey in the playoffs compared to you having But I don't think they're the making the season. change for the playoffs because of, of, of COVID. They're going to basically play this out all the way through the World Series, although I'm not 100% sure about that. I don't know that. either. It's just for me, that's an interesting yeah. place because I think that's a place where like if, if I were, it was an extra inning game. I wouldn't want to see a runner on, but both teams get it. So it kind of is just like, it would be like if, you know, in the second overtime in a football playoff game, they started going with college style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think people would, if if, during the regular season, I don't think anybody would be that upset about it. During the postseason, I think people wouldn't like that. So I got to feel like it'll feel weird, especially if it's not something that pops up a lot in the regular season, but then is a a big important thing in a postseason game. That'll be very interesting to see kind of the reaction to that. But Manfred and MLB get to do all these things now because it's in the interest of health. So doing it in the 10th inning makes, you know, makes more sense. So they, this is a dry run though for what they might do in the future, as is, as is the DH in the National League, right? <sighs> we ever going back? I hope so. You do. You want to go back to the pitcher's I hitting. Go, I want to go back to the pitcher's Yeah, hitting. here's a pitcher who used to hit folks. So yeah. I'm well, not surprised not to hear him about, talk about that. It's not that. even about that. It's just like, I think it's more – it makes the game more interesting, uh, both having a DH in one league and not having it in the other. There, there, is a, there is a noticeable effect on the game. So you can't say like, – like averages in ERA in the NL are lower. It, it changes how you approach things like bunting and runners on base. But at the same time, I totally get where watching a guy go up there who looks like he has no business swinging a bat really doesn't do much for anybody because you get these at-bats that are basically meaningless in the function of well, game. Tell that to Madison Bumgarner and Jacob DeGrom right, and not, Clayton like, Kershaw. Yeah, Hello. For every every Madison Bumgarner, Kershaw, and DeGrom, there's six dudes that want nothing to do with that. Yeah, if we never watched, you know, uh, some guys hit again, it probably would be just fine. And they'd be fine with it too, yeah. you know. I mean, well, yeah, sure, we did have the Bartolo home run, but how many awful at-bats? Like, those were comical on a different uh, level. That was That was a classic. No, I, I went. I, it's funny you said about you know averages and home runs. So I went back. I took a look at what the ERA differences last year were between the National League and the American League. American League has a designated hitter. Mm-hmm. You expect those ERAs to be higher, and they were, but maybe not as much as you thought. Four point six was the average ERA for the AL, and four point three eight for the National League. It's not as much of a difference as I would have suspected. And, and in the National League, the runs per game were 4.78. In the American League, it was 4.88. That surprised me. I just expected more. Well, that's weird that you would have a bigger gap in the ERA than you would have in the runs per game. NL hitters hit an average of 251 for the season. AL hitters, 253. Doesn't that, like, why are we doing this to a certain degree if it's not that different? It's, yeah, if anything, that would make the argument in more in favor of the pitchers because I feel like it adds more of a strategic element to the game. I just thought that was really interesting because I you know, went back and said, well, how different is it? But, you know, it's certainly not like you're seeing any of the AL teams operating on some kind of weird praxis where, like, 
oh, okay, well, because we have the DH, we can sacrifice our hitting at some position. And they're trotting out some guy at shortstop who hits 190 but plays gold. Nobody's doing that. So it's not like they're, it's not like they're, they're operating in some fashion that would offset that. And, and the reason I think we won't ever go back is the MLB Players Association. This is about jobs. This is about jobs. Everybody, there's an extra job now. There's a DH on the National League team where there isn't That's, one now. Yeah, 15 extra guys starting yeah, on the major league you level. You bet. And so I don't think it's ever going away. And certainly for the pitchers, I can't outside of a couple guys like Bumgarner, yeah. it's not like there's that many. And even then, maybe there'd probably be some teams that would let Bumgarner hit or something because you might not necessarily go out and recruit a DH right away. That's that's If you're not set up uh, like our Mets are, having a great DH situation, uh, you know, you might go, well, great. You know, this is a guy we were going to find another way to get in anyway. It's not like like there's 15 DH, starting DH caliber players just sitting around the major leagues. Maybe there is, but you're not talking about barn burners. It's not a whole league of Edgar Martinez's, that's for sure. Exactly. Or your Cespedes's in this case. for that matter. So um, I took a look uh, at the historical perspective because, you know, we're going to have a shortened season that's uh, basically two and a half times less than a normal season or so, right? So, you know, how many triples would you expect in a season? And, I, and historically, I look back, and, and you can go way back in time, but I'll only go back as far as 96 when Lance Johnson hit 21 triples in a season. And George Brett actually had 20 uh, in 1979. So over 60 games... You know, that's over 162 games. Is anybody going to get 10? I, I doubt it because triples are such a goofy – like, like a tr- that's that's one of those statistics I feel like I would really need to, like, look into more because I would also want to see in any given year that, like, what's the difference between, like, the top guy in triples in a given year and, like, the next couple guys? Because you might have a bunch of guys, especially in a statistic like that, where, like, you have some freaky year where you hit a bunch of triples and you beat everybody. Right. But realistically, nobody ever hits close a, to that. A, a guy gets two in one game and wins the triples title by one, you know, because he happened to have one game where he got two. Dude, yeah, like, I, I think I would be shocked if anybody had ten triples. So doubles um, is a little more interesting. And I know one of your favorite players uh, is up there in the all-time – he's second most all-time in one season for doubles. And that's Todd Helton. Really? He hit 59 doubles in the year 2000. Pretty that, good. That trails some guy named Earl Webb in, you know, who knew over a long, long time ago who had 67. So that's the all-time record. But last season, actually, Nicholas Castellano had 58 doubles, which is the, the third most of all time. So that is over, obviously, 162 games. Uh, so it would be easy to say, you know, that anybody getting 20 doubles would be pretty amazing. Pretty, but at the same time, I could see it happening just because doubles are a lot more achievable than triples, just in the general flow of games. And there are definitely games where I could see a guy getting 20 doubles in the 60 games. Okay. Well, more so than a guy getting 10 triples, certainly. Oddly enough, Carlos Delgado had 57 doubles in 2000. So that was a banner year for doubles with both he and Hilton having uh, something close to 60. So how, it'd be really interesting to dive into those and how many of those were ground rule doubles. Or, or, or home runs that just didn't quite make it out. Yeah. <laughs> with these guys. Um, so the total amount of hits in a season, we know the all-time record is Ichiro with 262 hits in the year 2004. Uh, that's 1.62 hits per game in case you're scoring at home. Home, uh, that would equate over a 60 game season to 97 hits. So there you go. There's your over. You have to have an Ichiro like streak. Now he did it for a whole season. He obviously had a higher rate at sometimes. So what do you think? Does anybody get 100 hits? Yeah. No. Because no. that means in 60 games, you average like almost two hits a game. Like you're averaging one. Like that's just. 
I mean, you can, and any game where you don't get a hit becomes even more compoundedly important to the overall. In, in 162 games, if Ichiro didn't have a hit in one game, that's bad, but that doesn't then affect the average nearly as severely as it does for every game following that. So, oh, oh whoops, he went up against Kershaw for a game and he threw a one-hitter and you didn't get that hit. You really have to work hard to make it up, and God forbid you have a couple days where you don't get two hits. It just can't ha- I just can't see it happening. So it's a streaky sport. We all know baseball is a streaky sport. And and, and the beginning of a season, we, like we said before, we've got 60 games. So it's kind of the beginning and, and it's an end and whatnot. So how can you you know understand that somebody's 60-game hottest streak is going to be the first 60 games of the season? You know, When it comes to home runs, Barry Bonds had 33, I think, over a 60-game stretch. It might have been even more than that in, in the year he hit 73 home runs. Well, that's one every you know couple of games. You know, that it's the same way if you were saying, would a guy hit 20 home runs this season? That's one every three games. Well, actually, if you went on Bonds's year at 73, that average, that's 0.45 per game. So that's 27 home runs. If you hit at Barry Bonds pace for a lesser amount of time, even though it's right from the start. So are your pitchers able to break bats and hit, get stingers on guys because it's cold in April? No, it's July. You're not going to get any of that. The, the, the batters, be, they're going to be loose and it's going to be different. The ball's going to jump a little bit more. Don't you think there could be more home runs over that 60-game period? At the same time, you've got guys that have taken a longer break between seasons, at least at the professional level, than they maybe ever have. That's going to have an effect on them coming back. And yeah, sure, they're starting in July, but it's not like they're in, you know, July form. So, because they haven't been, they haven't been playing in the game environment. So you're not going to get the same benefit of moving out of the cold weather because it's not like they're moving into the warm weather while they're warm already. You know, they're just getting back into playing shape in a lot of ways. But they also know they can throw pedal to the metal the whole time because they're not going to throw 100 innings in the whole season. Certainly. So that's going to make it even harder on the batters to and try and. What a 60, 60 game. So if you got a five man rotation, that's 12 starts. Yeah. If you told, if you're telling me that they know they only have to make 12 or so starts they're just going to be okay i can go and let it rip every single time and one of the things i thought they could have changed rule wise this season is you know you have to pitch four and a half innings as a starting pitcher to get the win i think if you're going to do something unusual you might have made a change in that rule for this year because as a manager you might want to throw two starters back to back in a game and just pitch differently because you don't have to make your staff last through six months of baseball it's only two and individual games become so much more important because they weigh so much more towards their overall record. So if there was a game, especially late, I, I could see that happening a lot more late in the season. You need a game. If the Mets needed a game, throw throw DeGrom and then throw somebody right behind Throw him again. Yeah. <laughs> Keep pitching. Go out there tomorrow. Keep getting those wins. Right. I, I think, you know, a, a pitcher, for instance, you know, who gets paid, had been paid traditionally on wins and other, other factors. And we've talked about how that's being, you know, de-emphasized to a degree. There's no pitcher who's going to get 10 wins. Not this year. The only way you're getting 10 wins is you're like a reliever and you just fluke your way into a bunch and of not wins. not in 60 games, though. You, you but that's, what, that's what it would take is that like some dude rips off like five in the first two weeks of the season. Right, right. And then he's playing against it, uh, you know, the, the whole time. So uh, and, and the same thing with saves, right, you know, which has been a, another de-emphasized stat. K-Rod 62 is the all-time record. Um, that's basically would be about 27, just like with the home runs, you know. I in, see, I see that as even less likely because saves have a condition. Unlike everything else, 
you have to be at the end of a game with all of the things in place in order for a save to be recorded. So when you shrink the number of games, every game that you miss, it's the same thing as everything else. Every game that you miss, that's a save opportunity because your team was just winning by six matters so much more because that just shrinks the number of games where you theoretically could have gotten a save in. So um, I think that's an, uh, it's an interesting point because I think the saves is, is, a, is a statistic that a manager doesn't really care about at all. You know, they, all they want is the win. And, and, you know, and based upon the way relievers can be unreliable, you're just going to pull a guy out of there and put somebody in there. We're not protecting your reputation because you're the saves guy. No, it is certainly not anymore. Not over 60 games is, is really going to be No, and I think you're going to mostly see that position. I think pitchers, I think teams are just going to run a lot of pitchers, but they're probably not going to move them around a lot unless they get hurt. I think it'll be interesting to see what they do with position players because you have to strike a balance with your big roster between moving guys around too much and and making sure they're actually getting, you know, enough reps. Like mm-hmm. You want to see the young guys you have because this is a unique opportunity to probably get guys that normally wouldn't be up in the major leagues yet a chance at the show and see what they have. But at the same time, you can't be taking your starters or regular players out too much because they need to develop a rhythm. They have so much less time to do it in. Yeah, I, I think if you're in it, though, you're not going to take those chances. And, and I guess there's a possibility if you start out something like 4-12 and 12 as you, a season, now you're going to junk the season after 20 games. You, I would totally do that if I was a team. If I was like 4-16 and 16 after 20 – I would, if I was the Mets, shut down DeGrom. Here's the thing. You don't have to worry about fans not showing up. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I would just shut down DeGrom, shut down anybody that's remotely important, get the young guys out there, see what they can do. The last thing I want to see is an important player get hurt in what would be a clearly meaningless season because a bad start in this is a death sentence more than usual. And and, and I think there'll be some weird things that will happen in the season that will just result out of it. And and because of one of the rule changes, I started thinking about bunts in general, right? So outs are going to be precious. It's only 60 games so will there be bunts and and perhaps the bunt will happen in the 10th inning you got a guy on second there's nobody out why wouldn't the first guy come up and butt him over the third uh, now you got the winning run of third with one out i mean it's pretty reasonable baseball but i think i think it's just going to be interesting seeing kind of like where this season goes because as a whole baseball is really going to be interesting but it's so up in the air right now. It's kind of hard to talk about the individual teams yet. I think that's true. And we're certainly not going to go there. But I, I, you know, in hoping that there's still going to be a season, uh, it, it may have an asterisk because it's a short season. But I think when you look back on it, if it is played 30 years from now, whoever won the World Series, they're the champs. Agreed.